Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Libraries Open podcast, uh, where we discuss everything from technology trends in the library to community and the tools we use every day with librarians um, in our world. I'm your host, Jesse Zarrow, along with Nate Carula, and today's guest we have Michael Cusack from Virginia Tech. Welcome. Thank you. Um, so, Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us your background. Well, uh, I'm the uh uh, right now, the Assistant Dean and Chief of Staff at Virginia Tech University Libraries. I've been here for about two years. Um, prior to that, uh, I spent about 10 years at the University of North Florida. Uh, my background has been uh, overwhelmingly library technology systems. I, I started my career uh, as a, a, a systems librarian type position, information systems coordinator uh, for a, uh, a nonprofit um, multi-type cooperative in Florida, uh, but I've been in uh, the K-12 environment, uh, public libraries, uh, worked in corporate library, uh, and then and then finally I've seemed to have landed for a while in academia. Covered, covered a lot of different library bases. That's great. We'd love to hear a little bit about um, you know the situation at Virginia Tech and what prompted you to consider and eventually move over to an open source solution um, such as Koha. All right. Well, uh, yeah, it's uh, an interesting story. Uh, I, as I um, came in two years ago in March, actually, uh, it was on our radar to uh, investigate the next step for library automation systems. Um, and I think we were looking um, originally at, uh, at at some of the larger um, uh, proprietary systems. And uh, having come from uh, a different environment, I, I I had experienced some some customer feedback actually, uh, specifically about Bywater and Koha. Uh, I think. Um, I learned about Koha at the University of North Florida about 12 years ago uh, and was very interested in its capabilities. Um, looked into it more uh, deeply when we started talking uh, collectively about uh, Olay, um, and, and saw a lot of potential in Koha. Uh, its ability to, um, at bare minimum, meet the needs of libraries and its flexibility to, to grow uh, to meet really whatever wants we might have. Uh, sometime later, I think it, at a uh, conference, uh, Florida Library Association conference, um, I was introduced to Bywater, uh, not formally, but uh, through a uh, conference presentation with uh, some of Bywater's customers, um, who were just all smiles and joy about how happy they were with their new system uh, and a new migration and uh, working with Bywater. And that was a little different experience for me um, because I'm really more accustomed to hearing people complaining about their library system than I am hearing uh, great and wonderful things. Uh, so 10, 12 years ago is, is when I was introduced um, to, to Bywater and Koha, and I've kept an eye on them ever since. So as we, as we began looking at systems here, uh, and I saw what we were looking at, uh, asked our folks to take a look and, and uh, um, invite Bywater to present 
and, and share what we were capable of doing. And uh, when, um, when y'all came out, it was, it was very apparent that there was some, going to be something very different uh, about the Bywater Koha option. Um, and it was the focus on customer service, um, the flexibility, uh, the ability to um, really kind of evolve the system as we might want to, um, and the freedom to really work with other systems as we, as we chose to, um, it's really appealing to us. Um, one of the, uh, one of my passions is, um, discovery. Uh, I'm a big fan of discovery, at least in concept. Um, in, in practice, I, I've been a part of great successes, but I've also seen the opportunity to, uh, improve. And I have seen a lot of improvement in the last, five, six, seven years in discovery, but I think there's room for more. And the reason that's important is because as it evolves, um, our choice in discovery tools can change. We, we, we choose the best tool for the job. And um, one thing that was very important about working with Koha and with Bywire was the freedom to choose and, and not be locked in uh, to any one particular system. Um, one thing that I, I personally found very exciting and I've been crusading uh, about the library is the, um, um, well, I, I was introduced to, to the crowdsource method of evolving Koha and absolutely love that. And Virginia Tech has, um, well, more resources than I, I'm accustomed to in most of the libraries that I've been in. We have some great talent and we have some developers and, and certainly we can do things on our own, but we don't necessarily have the very specific expertise around this system. So, so having a developer isn't necessarily enough. It's, it's having dedicated and specific expertise and a tool is, is really important. But that crowdsourcing piece brings something else that I think is really important and it's a perspective of other libraries. I think a lot of things that Virginia Tech does, we do very well, but there's, there's nothing wrong with seeing a perspective of other types of libraries. How do they deal with patrons? How do they use systems? Uh, how, do they, um, how do they interact? Uh, and, and I think there's, there's great potential for us to learn. Um, and at the same time, hopefully we can share and, and contribute. Um, I think there's uh, a lot of us who can um, can benefit um, by collaborating, by sharing our knowledge, um, working together, and uh, and identifying some some potential improvements or or change. And um, that's very exciting to me. That's, this is something that I'm I really can't wait to see. Um, how this evolves over the next year or so. Being part of the community alone is one of the biggest attributes, in my opinion, of being able to talk with other people out there and see what you're doing and then sharing with others what you're doing. Um, you know, that's one of my passions, that why I love Koha so much, you know, just being able to share that, that information. It, it's great. I want to say that, that you know, I, 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 
It's more than just being able to share and work together though. It's the reasonable expectation that what we want can actually come to fruition. Um, I have a lot of experience with proprietary software. Let's just, let's not limit it to the library world. Um, when's the last time you had a, a major software vendor, uh, a tool that you used and you said, I wish it did this with the reasonable expectation of actually seeing it happen. Um, there, there's, there may be some things in you know, Microsoft Excel or the iOS or anything like that, but how loud is my voice? How, how much power do I have to see a change? Here, I believe we really have the power to make the change. We really have the power to be heard um, and, and to make a difference. Um, that's what's exciting. And another great part of that is that all the contributions you make benefit every other person who uses this software. Absolutely. And those contributions they make benefit, you know, benefit us. It's, um, it, it has the potential for exponential growth of goodness, I think. Um, so, and if we, if we join in with this community and, and lend our weight, um, we, all, we all benefit. It's, it's a positive for everybody. Uh, and, and hopefully we can lead the way for other people to join and lend their weight and, 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 and work with us as well. Um, but at the same time, I'm still very excited about what we see within the system as it stands today. Uh, there's still a lot of freedom and flexibility um, and capability in the system. We certainly expect, um, we expect to have several of our processes automated and improved over what we're doing right now. Uh, and that's important to us. So it's, it's, it's not just about the future. Um, we, we expect in the next six months for our lives to be easier. Awesome. All right, Michael, tell us a little bit about the evaluation process and how staff, um, you know, provided feedback and kind of how we got to the outcome of choosing Koha as your um, next LSP. We, um, we took very literally the concept of a business requirement. Um, and, and I say that because not everybody, um, not everybody has the same approach when it comes to business requirements. Um, when you say business requirement, it means absolute, without a doubt, this is what we must have to accomplish the work that we do. And we started there. And... And, and what you can do is you can go from hundreds, if not thousands of so-called business requirements to a much smaller number. This is, this is what we have to accomplish. And then this is what we want to accomplish. Um, and without a doubt, really every system that we looked at is capable of doing what we must do. Then it really became more of an issue of, you know, what do we want to do um, and what is it worth to us? You know, putting, putting things in a, in a balance, I would say. Um, and some of the wants that we had, we realized might have been almost contradictory. Um, we, we were looking for sometimes features that would make our lives easier. But those features, sometimes uh, some of the vendors would offer it to us, but under a certain set of circumstances. 
um, as I mentioned before, uh, the discovery tool. You know, so we might have um, great potential improvement for workflows over our existing system. But if we chose the, uh, the, the discovery tool that we end up choosing, um, all of those efficiencies go away. And um, you know, that, that sort of dose of reality was, was very important in our decision-making process. And so well, wait, you know, it's, it sounded great until you start to try to put it in practice. And then it's not so great anymore. Then it's, then it's just kind of a cool idea that, that, um, that you can't really, you can't realize. Um, so it began there. Well, even, even actually before that, I would say, um, the first step was to invite vendors out because Virginia Tech is, um, well, has a somewhat unique history in, in um, the development of ETLS uh, long, long ago and the, uh, the migration uh, to our current innovative system. We, in our history, only have experience with two systems. And so there's not much in the way of experience for shopping for new systems or implementing um, or even identifying. So having, having everybody come out and just talk to us Instead of saying, tell us about this or tell us, about, tell us what you have, tell us what you can do. Um, because maybe we don't know, maybe we're not all up to date on that. Um, and that was very important, I think, to us. That was the opportunity where I, where I spoke earlier about some of the things I'm excited about. We just didn't know. You know we, we, we didn't know to ask for certain things. We didn't know to say, yeah, this is really important or this is really wonderful. So leaving that wide open um, opportunity for vendors to come in and talk to us and you know, just give us the what can you do. Um, as, as we boiled things down, um, I, I think that you go back to the, um, the, the freedom and flexibility being the number one thing. Why? Because we can do what we want with the system as opposed to having to do something that the vendor wants. Um, we're not real, really big fans of, of a tie-in. We are very heavily invested in open source. Um, I think we're very um, uh, enthusiastic about open source, but we didn't choose it because it was open source. We really chose it because of what it can, what Koha can do for us. Um, is, is we'll, we'll choose open source when it's the best tool, or we'll choose a proprietary system when it's the best tool. And in this case, we have the advantage of an open source system that is the best tool that gives us flexibility, you know, this is the best tool today, gives us the best flexibility for tomorrow. Um, but then also there's, there is the, um, the belief um, based on working with Bywater, um, based on talking to previous customers of a very customer service focused entity. Um, sometimes I won't name names, but sometimes when you, when you have a service contract with a vendor for any given software, you might ask yourself, what is it I'm paying for here? Am I paying for the right to use the product? Am I paying for support? Am I paying for, and, and, it seems like sometimes you're paying because it's almost an obligation. You know, you know, 
you're, you're paying for it just so somebody will pick up the phone. But you know, we believe that Bywater is, is really going to be there to help us make the most out of this system. Um, and, and that belief was very, very important in the decision-making process. Um, and, and some of the experiences we had um, really even prior to contract negotiation, prior, prior to um, making that decision, were some sort of anonymous calls that we would make to Bywater and just, uh, uh, not to be deceptive, but just, you know, just out of curiosity, you know, how do things work? And the level of customer service that we received as non-customers, I think surpassed the level of customer service I'm accustomed to most anywhere else. That was a huge, huge selling point. Awesome. I love how you talk about flexibility because especially now in the ILS, LSP, LMS market, there's so much consolidation and so many libraries going to kind of like a putting all of your eggs in one basket solution. Um, that I personally think is, is much more risky uh, than diversifying your technology solutions and, you know, using different vendors for different things. Um, you have more of a voice in that, in that situation, more power uh, in my opinion. So it's, it's very refreshing to hear that. Well, you know, it, to, to use your analogy of putting all your eggs in one basket, it, it really only takes one rotten egg to ruin the basket. And an ILS migration is a non-trivial effort and a non-trivial expense. Um, so the concept of, of having our basket ruined by one egg um, has some serious ramifications. Uh, you know, we, we feel that Virginia Tech is in a position of, of great um, flexibility. We can be very agile right now. We can, we can pick and choose our ILS. We can pick and choose our discovery tool. We can pick and choose our um, um, e-resource management system, for example. Um, and we can do so without disrupting everything else we do. And, um, and, and that's, that's really important to us as well. Right now, we feel like we've, we have chosen um, well on all fronts, and, and we're looking forward to that. Um, but we can go into this without fear of, well, if two out of three are great, but one isn't, what's going to happen? Um, no, we're, we're moving forward with great confidence right now. Excellent. So um, with my experience, at least, um, change is somewhat a of, of a difficult pill to swallow, um, especially when it comes to technology, um, especially when it comes to major um, technology solutions in a, in a library. Um, how is it that you went about managing the change um, with your team and kind of bringing everybody on board so that you had buy-in for this decision. Um, because, you know, as I'm sure you know, um, you are the first of your kind to make this step towards, uh, you know, Koha. Um, and maybe even, well, not open source, you know, Olay had some early adopters and things like that. But uh, Koha specifically, you know, how did you manage that, that change with, with your team? Well, so one of the, it, it, that was certainly a challenge. I think one of the concerns was, well, are we, you know, if we're the first, you know, it's, who else is doing this? Wanting to see somebody else having, having paved the way for us. And, and, and that, was, that was a challenge. Um, the initial approach was to try to show people that regardless of, of the fact that we might be the first research institution, for example, doing this, um, 
that, that Bywater and Coha has some very big customers. Uh, Virginia Tech circulated about 100,000 items last year. I believe you have a, a consortium uh, that circulated about 2.1 million items. Several. Several. So, you know, it, it becomes, it, it's, it's an easier pitch when you can say, look, they can handle 20 times the business we're going to bring to them. You know, when, it, when it's all said and done, our, our responsibility is to our patron. Can we get patrons in the system? Can we check out books to the patrons? They're the ones that we need to be worried about most. And the answer is a clear and indisputable yes, absolutely. Um, that's been proven. It's been proven for years in multiple cases. So it begins there. Um, and then it moves into, uh, well, what, what Bywater did for us is, is setting up a test system and letting people go in and experience uh, the system and experience it with, with uh, your staff of people just ready on call you know, to, to respond to questions. But I think that, um, that really the, the epiphany, which was not mine, um, I wish it had been, for all the years I've been doing this, I, I should have thought of this before, was, was bringing Bywater down to do training, even in advance of the contract, is, is to have you come down with, with all of the, the implementation folks from all of the different libraries and all of the different areas and spend time learning the system and, and, and seeing, yes, it can do everything we need it to do. Um, and, and also hearing um, when, when uh, I think one of your developers was down for, for part of the training, for the training as well, and, and hearing, well, can we do this? And the answer being, yes, we can do this. And here's how. Um, so, you know, words, words are one thing, but the hands-on experience with the, with the uh, faculty and the staff, um, being able to play with it for themselves and see that how it works and that it can work um, was really the groundbreaker for us. And, um, you know, we knew we wanted to go with Quietwater and Koha. We were working in that direction. But, you know, I, I would actually suggest, you know, you're going to train your folks anyway. So go ahead and, and, and take that step forward and invest um, in, in, in having the training done um, early on. And, and, and see for yourself. Um, and I, I, I'll reference a conversation I was having just a few minutes ago that it might have been beneficial for some other libraries to maybe do a little training in advance before they've done a deal. Um, because other libraries have learned that the ILS they choose, they have chosen, isn't all it's cracked up to be or isn't capable of doing the things that they want to do. Um, if only they had tried it out first, so to speak, um, and that was that was something. And and I guess I'll I I, I give you guys credit. Um, your your training um, is very good. Your your folks are very approachable, um, and your training prices are quite reasonable. And it makes it very easy to do something like that. Um, I, I have seen training estimates from other vendors that would not have made that possible. Quite, I mean, there's no way we could have justified the expense of training 
um, based on some of the quotes that we received in advance of having a signed contract. Um, so another advantage, another advantage. We feel as though the more educated our customers are, the easier our job is. So we try and keep those costs as low as possible so they take advantage of them. <laughs> if we benefit, then we're not gonna try and squeeze every penny out of, out of you, you know? Well, it's good to know we all benefit from that because that, that was definitely a, a big win. Excellent. And a big watershed moment for us. Thank you. Michael, how has the communication process been, um, you know, throughout the period from, you know, going through the selection process to where you are now? Sometimes balls drop, people miss things, um, and, you know, it's, it's hard to keep that flow going. What has your team done to, you know, keep that communication strong throughout, throughout the process? We have a dedicated project manager who's responsible for um, keeping things going. Um, his name's Bob Pillow. Um, he actually has uh, many years of experience working in, uh, working for an ILS vendor. So he has a lot of insight mm -hmm. as to what's going on. And, and it's been his role to really keep everybody together. He's not, um, he, he's not really going to be an ILS user. But that's not, that's not really important. What's important is that, that we have somebody who is the key point of contact, um, who can know what needs to be done um, and, and know um, it's his responsibility. His responsibility is essentially communication within the library, yeah. uh, making sure that everybody um, who has a stake in the ILS um, is either on the team or is communicated by, with, by people on the team. Uh, and that's been, that's been vital. That's been absolutely vital uh, to keeping this going. Now, beyond that, we're starting to uh, work on external communications. Um, our, uh, our strategic communicators are, are looking at what we're doing and they're saying, this is worthy of communicating. That you see the library is taking a leadership role. The library is contributing uh, to a critical element of the library world. Uh, and, and we need to talk about that and, and share that. Uh, so, so I think you'll start seeing some communication happening externally as well, uh, fairly soon. Um, but, but having somebody responsible, you know, one person that you can point to has been, yeah. Yeah. Bob's been great to work with. Um, he's definitely helped the transition a lot. Yeah, I think so. Good to hear. So what's next? What's next for us? Yeah. Well, um, we're, we're scheduled to go live on May 15th. Uh, that's our time. That, that gives us uh, you know, plenty of breathing room uh, for the end of the fiscal year. Um, we're doing a lot of work right now, mapping out our content, mm -hmm. uh, working on cleaning up our end of the database so that we have a nice pristine cohort when we get started. Um, and uh, really at the uh, period between spring and summer is it, it, when we'll go live on this. And then, well, we're already looking very closely at our processes. And, and I think that's important. When you have a, a library that's been doing things the same way for decades, um, it's, it's a good time to look at how things are working. And, and, um, and that's a lot of what's happening right now. Um, but um, we have um, 
we have a growing list of potential projects that I think we're going to want to partner with Bywater on. And uh, we've been talking a little bit about um, our offsite facilities. Um, that Virginia Tech is maybe a little different from the norm in that uh, um, a lot of other research libraries offsite facilities are where books go to, well, spend eternity, uh, or materials, I should say. Um, but here, it's a little more of a living collection. Um, and uh, we're very interested in working with, with Bywater to see if there's something we can do to, uh, to automate that, that kind of process and, and uh, embed that with the ILS. Um, we are, I, I hear that our folks are really taking to, um, to Coral, which Bywater is hosting for us and helping us uh, while doing training and implementation on that as well. Um, and that's a step for us as well. We haven't really had a, well, a robust e-resource management system that, that we've used in the past. Um, and, and so there's going to be a lot to learn there. Um, we're implementing a new discovery tool and um, looking very closely at the, uh, the Bywire, uh, the, I'm sorry, the um, Koha plugin. We're, going, we're choosing EBSCO EDS. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, uh, that Koha plugin presents to us uh, some interesting options as far as delivering content to our patrons. Um, we are, uh, we have a hard line between physical and electronic. Physical goes into the ILS and electronic does not. Um, but this, and, and generally speaking, we, we're comfortable with that philosophy, but it's not a perfect philosophy. And sometimes our patrons, um, our patrons want to see things a little differently. Um, and I think that plugin might give us the opportunity to bridge those two worlds and, and bring that, make that philosophy a little, uh, a little less rigid. Um, so we're, we're already thinking ahead to the kinds of things that, well, for years we've been saying, I wish we could do this and, um, and, and making a list and, and going to Bywater and say, Hey guys, we wish we could do this. And, and what will it take to make that happen? Um, so, uh, um, really looking forward to that. And I, I think that that's going to be, um, I, I think that's going to be a time where a lot of people at Virginia Tech are going to start being very happy, um, with the system when they see not only when we implement it, that we've made some improvements, but now that we see some changes, we can make them. Um, so. Those are some of the next next on the list uh, for for Virginia Tech in the uh, in the library automation and, and discovery world. That's awesome, and you know we'd love to have you back after uh, after you've been live for a while and get get an update as well. You know, um, <laughs> love to be back. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Michael, thank you so much for taking time to talk with Nate and I for our podcast, The Library is Open. Uh, we enjoyed hearing your perspective of, you know, how things went from the, you know, selection to evaluation process and, you know, to where we are today here beginning the migration. So um, we look forward to joining you again um, and talking a little more about um, how the go live process goes and uh, getting everything settled. So thanks again and have a great rest of the day and we'll see everybody next time for the library is open.
Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you.